saw your uh, board at home, are you? Huh? Nothing to do. Yeah, we're heading towards the winter. You know what I mean? There's a lot of indoors time. Why don't you play a little game called Raid Shadow Legends? You could be waiting to get your hair cut, you know, in the barbers. You could play a raid then. You can play a raid while you're in an Uber, in a restaurant. You know, if you're bored of the person who you're talking to, that always helps. And if you're going to do that, use the link in my description. I know a lot of you out there have been waiting a bated breath, wondering what my favorite bit about raid is. Well, I'll not keep you waiting any longer. The Doom Tower. The Doom Tower, as it happens. What, you've never tried it? What is wrong with you? It's basically a big prison, and it was working out well for everyone for quite a while, you know, keeping the bodies in. But now Seeroth is back in the world. Ooh. Let's just say the prison ain't like it used to be. But luckily, they've got people like me and you to get in there and crack a few heads. And I do love cracking heads. And we're going to crack a few heads right now with my new champion, Mage Killer. If only this was real life, huh? They don't make them like that on Earth, do they? Let battle commence. Flow like a butterfly. Sting like a bee. Well, that actually worked quite well. God, me and this other girl are kicking ass. I'm going to get this one. There you go. Dead. I'm doing major damage here, and as we know, the fastest way to level up your champion is through farming on the campaign. Victory is mine. I know what you're thinking. What else is new in Raid, Bri? Well, don't call me Bri. That's my friends, all right? There's plenty new things, if you must know. We've got special events every day for you. Awesome new champions all the time. But the big update is the Guardian Ring. It's a huge new feature that gives you a load of different ways to use your champions. Including a whole faction Guardian system. Which is a new way to get legendary champions that you missed out on previously. And an entirely new way to upgrade your favourite ones. It's a massive deal and it's something that myself and Raid are very excited for. With all these updates, Raid has never been in a better place with more giant updates around the corner there's never been a better time to jump into raid and if you want an even bigger head start hit the link in the description or scan the qr code new players will get an epic hero in chonaru who was amazing in the doom tower as well as 200k silver one xp boost and one energy refill and as well as that one ancient shard so you can summon a champion as soon as you get in the game so what are you waiting for hit the link in the description below and check out raid but for now enjoy the podcast it's August 18, 1960. Cassius Clay of the United States takes on Ziggy Petrikowski of Poland in the finals of the Olympic Light Heavyweight Boxing Championship in Rome. Cassius like lightning in there. An avalanche of leather sends Petrikowski into the ropes. Clay is way ahead on points and he knows it. He's boxing with all the confidence in the world, realizing he is only moments away from the gold medal. And there's the bell ending the fight. Cassius Clay has presented the coveted gold medal for his tremendous victory in the light heavyweight division of the Olympic Boxing Championships. I'm defeating America's so-called threats or enemies. And the flag is going dun, 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 dun. And I don't hook the world for America. I took my gold medal, thought I'd invented something. I said, man, I know I'm going to get my people freedom there. I'm the champion of the whole world, Olympic champion. I know I can eat downtown now. And I went downtown that day, had my big old medal on, and went to the restaurants. At that time, black things weren't integrated. The black folks couldn't eat downtown. The lady said, we don't serve Negroes. And I had to leave that restaurant in my hometown where I went to church and served in their Christianity and fought them. Daddy fought in all the wars. Just just wanted to go meddling, couldn't eat downtown. I said, something's wrong. 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 
Why you insist on being called Muhammad Ali now? That's my original name. That's a black man named Cassius Clay was my slave name. I'm no longer a slave. You told me your name was Cassius Clay a few I years ago. I never told you my name was Cassius Clay. My name is Muhammad Ali, and you will announce it right there in the center of that ring after the fight if you don't do it now. Mr. Muhammad Ali has just refused to be inducted into the United States Armed Forces. You my opposer when I want freedom. You my opposer when I want justice. You my opposer when I want equality. You won't even stand up for me in America for my religious beliefs, and you want me to go somewhere and fight, but you won't even stand up for me here at home. I want to believe that I'm that guy. My ego tells me that, but the reality of it is I love this life that I have. I might not want to give this up just to prove that I'm a tough guy, but Ali would. Ali will fight you till he die. You have to kill him. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna quit. When you see greatness, then you know that's not me. Ali's a giant. I told you, I'm the real champion. I told you that I was the greatest of all time. I'm gonna float like a butterfly and sing like a beast. There's not a heavyweight who can even keep up with me. Well, I want all of them to be there, and I'm gonna shut up all of his mouth. I'm gonna do something to Joe Frazier that might be illegal. He might be great, but he'll fall in eight. Get hit. Like, I don't get hit, I'm so crazy. I don't think that there's no heavyweight alive who couldn't beat me. I know they're not alive. I can drown a drink of water and kill a dead tree. Wait till you see Muhammad Ali. I'm gonna show you how great I am. I shook up the world! I shook up the world! Uh, uh, Welcome back to the Pain Game podcast. Today's guest is the grandson of the greatest fighter of all time, Muhammad Ali. It's Nico Ali Walsh. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And uh, thank you for getting up at 10 a.m. Las Vegas time <laughs> to make this work for me. This really goes back to my school days when I was like an eight-year-old kid in the library and looking at books and reading uh, about the greatest boxer of all time. Um, and and to see that you're, you're carrying this on for your grandfather, it's amazing. And what makes it even more special is you genuinely have talent from what I've seen. And you're getting trained by the same coach as Tyson Fury. Um, no pressure. No. Everything, uh, everything's set up for you to win, hopefully. But um, how long have you been boxing for now? Well, I was I would mess around in the ring since I was a little little kid. Mm. Um, I was doing exhibitions and, and and whatnot for like cancer, child's children's cancer events mm. and that kind of thing. But I I want to say I took it serious when I was fourteen. Well, that's good because, unfortunately, in boxing, uh, very few seem to make it un- unless they start young. Uh, right. Like, was it like Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are a couple of exceptions, and they're like giant athletes. Exactly. Um, the rest, exactly. uh, it's it's from childhood. So, like, I know you have another uh, second-generation uh, boxer, uh, in the family, Layla, who obviously went on to become a legend in women's boxing. How are the family feeling about you following the the family job, so to speak? Like my mom didn't want me didn't want me to box, obviously because she's my mom. Uh, you know, and I would say the women in my family didn't want to see me, you know, getting hurt and that mm. kind of thing. But the main person in my family who encouraged me to box and actually pushed me towards it was my grandfather. And that's really all I needed was, you know, his blessing. And I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Wow. I mean, 
it almost feels like I'm speaking to Muhammad Ali himself, you know, because this is the closest thing I'm ever going to get. And um, he meant so much to so many people. And I'm sure you guys yeah. feel the love around the world still. If anything, you know, even after his passing, it almost feels like he's, um, I don't know, like the god of boxing. Like this guy, his, his shadow looms over the entire sport, like... Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's an honor that I'm, you know, that I'm I'm witnessing the love and, and I get to appreciate it because at the end of the day, he meant a great deal to the world. But mm. to me, he's just my grandfather. But it means so much to me to know that so many people loved someone that I just see as family. Mm. So it's it's really awesome. And I, I see in some of the photographs of you and him as, as a – a kid and it's very uh, heartwarming uh you did get a totally different angle to him than everybody else you know we see in yeah. you know the smooth talker the, the the guy who made everyone laugh the guy who made everyone cheer and the guy who flipped people's emotions from wanting to lose to wanting them to win over the years and um and you got granddad uh what was he like as a granddad i would say i didn't receive the side the braggadocious and like <laughs> yelling side of him you know that side that he gave like joe frazier and george foreman mm. i didn't see that side but i saw the funny side the heartwarming side that was what i grew up with and mm. uh obviously he didn't speak as much um growing up with me as he did in his interviews but when he did it was just i mean we were constantly laughing together so what what you guys saw on tape, that's the way he was. He was just such a genuine person. Yeah, that I, I seen some clips of him later on in his life, and that sense of humor definitely carried through. I seen him playing jokes yeah. on interviewers where um, yes. I think there was one of his daughters was saying, like, oh, there's this part of his condition that makes him do this, and then he like <laughs> lunges yes, at the yes, end. Of him. Yes. I so he never it. he never lost his sense of humor like ever 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 uh -huh. or he never lost that he would he, you know make jokes at the wrong time but you know he was, he was just so funny when did you realize he wasn't just your grandfather how early can you remember that i remember i was 12 years old and he had a 70th birthday bash here in las vegas and uh all these celebrities that I looked up to, you know, all these celebrities that I listened to their music, I watched their films, they were all at birthday party. And I was like, what are these guys doing at my grandfather's birthday party? That's so weird. And they're all singing him happy birthday. Mm -hmm. So I started realizing then that, you know, a lot of people know him, not just people in, in my neighborhood, because that's what I thought before. And did people treat you differently because you were, you know, his grandson. Yeah. I've always, I've always felt the pressure of being his grandson. You know, if I didn't get into boxing, um, I would have felt it in any, in any category of, of life. Cause even when I was in school as a little kid, I felt the pressure of, you know, getting good grades and acting right just because of my grandfather. Yeah. I, I, when I watched your post fight interviews, I was like, okay, there's confidence there, but it ain't it ain't you very much your own your own guy and you're quite a yeah. humble guy actually very respectful but very intelligent that that really came across i mean how old are you again i just turned 21 in july wow i mean you're very grounded um is who 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 do you think has made you like that is it your mother yeah you know what my mom is uh obviously my grandfather is my mom's dad Mm. And she's she's the twin, as everybody calls her. Um, and uh, yeah, no, she obviously 
we we grew up with my grandfather and uh she just took all the lessons that he taught her mm. and then she taught me them i would say i got it from from my mom and yeah, she got I, it from him i seen her cheering you on in the crowd and you know in your first few couple of fights and the crowd chanting ali it was it was just yeah. so powerful i mean what did that feel like to be in that ring and have people chanting ali i mean that 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 was the my first fight and that was crazy i mean you know there were so many aspects of that fight that were just so like destined to happen i was wearing my grandfather's shorts for that fight wow and uh i wasn't even supposed to be wearing those shorts i just i brought them on my trip uh as a memento mm. and uh my my shorts that I was supposed to wear ended up not being ready. Um, mm. So I ended up having to having to wear my grandfather's shorts and just hearing his name being chanted is something I've only seen in black and white films, you know, of like Joe, Joe Frazier fights and and whatnot. So hearing his name being chanted, just it like brought him back for the night. He was he was completely like I felt like he was there that night. Bro, I'm getting like goosebumps, like honestly, like yeah, it, I, I get goosebumps every time I think about it because it's yeah. so it was so weird. It felt so surreal. Yeah, the emotion in the room, I it really came through the screen, like to see because the camera was on your mother a lot as well, and that whenever they do that, obviously there's emotion there, but because we feel like we know your family yeah. through all of the documentaries and. Your mother's a very good speaker as well, I noticed. So, like, feel like we, we kind of mm. know you guys. Um, and, yeah, it was just heartwarming. And I think everyone naturally is going to root for you to do well now. Um, yeah. How do you feel you did in those first couple of fights so far? Well, I loved my first fight. It, you know, that was my first time being out on that kind of stage. And I felt like I handled the pressure and, and the crowd very well. It didn't affect me um, at all, really. Um, because I just felt so much power on my shoulders, you know, carrying the legacy, you know, my family support, everyone else's support. And, uh, my second fight went very well. And I'm looking on this, this next fight that I have coming up December 11th is at Madison square garden. So, you know, my father had eight fights there. He fought his first fight with Joe Frazier was there. So it's like just repeating history like this is just, it takes away all the fear and pressure a normal boxer would have. And it's like, it's, it's empowering. You know, it really is. I love, I love the way you're looking at this because, you know, some people who aren't mentally as strong as you would crumble potentially under this. And the fact that you're seeing this all as a positive is fantastic because, you know, I just seen the other day, um, the UFC are having an event at Madison Square Garden and you had one of the champions talking about what Madison Square Garden means. And one of the four names, um, they named a wrestler, they named a, a rock band and Muhammad Ali. And, you know, that's his that's his place that you're going to, really. So yeah. um, your ability to deal with pressure immediately struck me because there was no waiting around. There was no tentativeness in the, in the ring. It was all business the minute that bell went. And you throw, if I was to compare you to any boxer I've seen recently, you kind of reminded me a bit of Ryan Garcia. You re- really, you you really throw your punches like you put everything into them when you let let it go, um, and um, you've got you've got the speed and you've got good feet. Naturally, it's in the it's in the genes. Um, is that a deliberate thing in terms of you know the way you move? Uh, is that a conscious thing or is that just what how you feel comfortable? Or honestly, um, as much as people say I've been floating, 
uh, like a butterfly in the ring. It's, it's solely because of my trainer, Sugar Hill. That's the style he teaches. And, you know, he's one of the people that, uh, again, you know, I'm blessed that I'm able to deal with this pressure. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure and, uh, I didn't know if I'd be able to handle it, but I I'm here and I'm able to handle it. And, and, uh, it's, it's solely because of the way I was raised and how I'm trained. So I've got to thank sugar for, you know, the way that I've been moving and the way I've been performing. You know, despite you coming across as a, a really nice guy, and uh, when when I've seen people interview you, you've got that youthful um, excitement, and you're enjoying this whole process. But you know, naturally, there's a bad man underneath that, and in the ring that comes out. And I was sort of wondering, like, do you think as your career goes on, that side? of you will come out more when the competitiveness gets intensified and people may be on your level a bit more. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been a fan of watching trash talker, you know, my grandfather being the main one, Tyson Fury being, you know, the king of trash talking of this generation. And, uh, it's all to sell fights and, you know, it takes, it takes an animal to get into the ring, you know, for, to excel in the ring, I would say. Mm. It's very interesting because you look at someone like Mike Tyson, who was an animal in the ring and outside the ring. You see, you would see in interviews, he was just very mean, you know, but that's not, that's not the way he is, you know, but my grandfather fought with like love, I would say. And it's very strange to say that you're fighting somebody with with love but that's that's kind of what he did he was fighting for his people and for his religion so i would say that's the same thing with me you know that's deep like and 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 i agree with you i think when i watched um your grandfather's fights his ability to take punishment his ability to get up and keep going um he it had to be out of love because fear doesn't carry you through what he went through and um i think ironically you mentioned mike tyson and i've heard mike tyson describe his feelings in the ring and how fearful he was at times and how it made him as aggressive as he had to be but i don't know if you've heard mike speak on your grandfather i mean yeah i have powerful like very jeez when 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 you can reduce a, a a bad man like Mike Tyson to tears, just merely speaking on him, and uh, to quote him, I think he said, "I'm afraid to go to the places that Muhammad Ali would go to," and he was a giant, and he, he was willing to die to prove his point. Um, that sort of thing. It's like, wow. That's when you know you're a legend. When when today's yeah. generation's legend, Mike Tyson, looks at Ali as if. I, I can't even I can't even compare. And, so powerful. You know, that's very interesting. It's it's very interesting and I've always loved seeing, you know, his interviews talking about my grandfather. Mm. And you know, it's most people, most boxers fight out of aggression. They fight out of fear, um, believe it or not. But you mm. get people like my grandfather and people like Manny Pacquiao, they fight out of love. And I, I really do believe that when you reach that level of fighting out of love, you're able to excel far beyond uh, the the average person. And I think that this is where Tyson Fury's recent success may have come in because now that he's um, yes. trying to win fights in, in the name of mental health and how he channels that, exactly, he said, exactly. like, when I get knocked down, I think if I get up, I'm showing all those people out there what they can do. And, um, yeah, it, it's... It, 
the parallels between Fury and Ali, um, don't get me wrong, I mean, there's a difference, but it is nice to say no, that I there are... completely. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, st- there's similarities He's there. one of my favorite fighters to hate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you, you know, it, it's, it's hard fighting for one person, yourself. Mm. You know, you get people like my grandfather, who's like a larger-than-life figure... And you wonder why, why does he seem like such a king? Why does he seem so large? It's because he had, he stood for everybody, you know, Um, and Tyson Fury does that. He stands for all people suffering with mental health. And, you know, and that's why he seems like a larger than life figure today. It's the people that fight for everyone else that, that they get to that point, that legendary status. What did you think of Tyson Fury's last fight? You know, the, 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 the getting up multiple times and finishing Deontay. It, again, it shades of your grandfather. What was it like watching that for you? I think you were there, if I'm right. Yeah, I, I was there and it was so nerve wracking because, you know, obviously I have a vested interest in him and, you know, Sugar, who's training him. So... And um, it was such an amazing fight. I, I truly do believe that Tyson Fury's top five heavyweights of all time. And mm. uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was just an amazing fight. And like I said, he fights for more than just himself. That's why he's able to do the things that he can do. I would, uh, I would love to go back in time with you and uh, to a time where you and I weren't alive, but I'm sure we've both heard a lot and I'm sure you've heard a lot more than I have. Uh, and talk about your grandfather's life a bit more. Is that okay, bro? Yeah, because uh, I, I, I've been watching documentaries and all sorts, and um, yeah, and like America back then seemed like such a different place. He was from uh, Louisville, yeah. And when you talk, when he, when when uh, Muhammad would talk about you know not being able to be served in in restaurants despite being an Olympic champion, you know that's that's quite mind blowing for me now because of the world we live in and have your family educated you on sort of what he would face back then yeah i mean i i was i was five years old learning about the civil rights movement and learning about my grandfather's part in it Mm. so you know i would say my grandfather had such strong conviction towards race and religion and that's exactly how i was raised that's exactly how i am so i know all about that stuff and you're right i mean the world we live in today is, you know, so different compared to the world he grew up in. For, for him to join uh, Islam uh, at the time, you know, we've you've got athletes these days sort of um, trying to make statements, uh, but, you know, that was a shock. Right. It was a shock to the, to the world. Like, who does this guy think he is? And they consistently kept calling him Cassius Clay, and, and and many of his even yeah. black fighters who he was fighting refused to call him Muhammad. And it felt like there was a strong dislike from the mainstream media that this guy was as good as he was because he was sort of a thorn in the side of the status quo. And he had to face that every day. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the, the what's my name fight is what they call it with Ernie Terrell. Mm. And uh, every time someone didn't call him by his name, he destroyed him. Because he was very serious about that. And I never saw my grandfather as serious as he was during the Ernie Terrell fight. He was very serious and he punished him. He could have taken him out um, early on, I believe. Mm. But he he just punished him for several rounds. And 
that just shows how how uh, serious he was about his religion. Yeah, he he used fighting as a way of making sending message out there of you will respect us you will respect our religion you will respect my people and um yeah it 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 brought sport into a whole new place where all of a sudden you know sport is seen as something where we take our mind off real life we uh, forget about yeah. our religion and our politics and our struggles and we you know what watch it eat popcorn and think nothing you know but he made it impossible to ignore he 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 was like we've got issues and i'm gonna force people to listen through my winning and being heavyweight champion i guess to this day no one's done anything even remotely close because no one's willing to sacrifice and put themselves out there to be shot at almost quite literally yeah put themselves on the chopping block and go, well, you know, I'm going to use my fame and my name to um, promote a different way of life. And I, I mean, I, he must have feared for his life. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes, uh, I mean, a ton of courage, even, even still today to stick up for something like that, something that can completely ruin your career. And it did for him, you know, it took, it took years off of his boxing life. Mm. So it takes a lot of courage, but you know, I mean, He's he's been like I, I heard my grandfather was like shot at one time. But, you know, you look at the people like during his era, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. I mean, what happened to these people, these people that took a stand? They they got assassinated. So I know he must have feared for his life. And, you know, he was taking a stand that was literally life or death. Mm. You know, it, it could have someone could have assassinated him at any point, And I wouldn't be here today. Uh, to talk about it yeah as heavyweight champion of the world you're an idol and if and you know the the government know that more than anyone and if we've got this idol standing up and saying don't go to war don't, don't join the army don't go to vietnam they ain't done nothing to us like they're like oh a little too much truth in the air from yeah, this guy right. and uh, right. I, I i mean it's it's quite surprising that he wasn't assassinated to be fair because they drafted him yeah. in the army as a a tool to be like um you know as they've done with many athletes in the past of look guys look kids everyone go and join the army your favorite baseball player basketball player fighters there and he yeah. was not having none of it. Um, how courageous, you know, to, to, to say no to that. And uh, there's a clip where he's standing up in front of all of these people in the crowd and obviously mainly white people and, and arguing with them and justifying it, explaining, you know, like, yeah. you're the ones not giving me my rights. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, uh, why am I going to go and fight for you? Exactly, exactly. So they banned him from fighting uh, for a few years in, in the prime of his career, which was a real shame looking back at it. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he was uh, a different fighter when he came back. Um, but he evolved and he adapted. And it, I, I think people have a lot of respect for the fact that he managed to do that because he became a, a tough fighter rather than the showboater. Yeah, yeah. You know, unfortunately, that made for more brutal fights, but he... He wouldn't back down. Same in life. He just wouldn't. Back then, obviously, a lot of people in society turned on him. It, right now, Muhammad Ali is a hero. And I think, you know, a lot of people watching this won't really understand. Like, at the time, there was a smear campaign against him. The government and everyone was yeah. trying to dirty his name and say, this guy won't fight for you and, and make him seem 
as negative as humanly possible. And only, I feel like, when the Vietnam War was um, proven to be a mistake did people start to wake up and realize, hang on a second, this guy had the right idea. Have you spoken to your family about this time and and, and what that was like? We, I mean, we've spoken on it, uh, you know, throughout my entire life, literally. And, uh, you know, that's a that's a that's what separates my grandfather from not only being a boxer, but just being the kind of human he was, uh-huh. uh, was what he stood for outside of boxing, you know, against the war, you know, for civil rights. He just he put it all on the line and he was willing literally to give up his life for it. Mm. And you just don't see a lot of people in history that are willing to do that. Um, That's what separated him. And the biggest thing is that after all that happened, after they stripped him of his title and they were about to put him in in prison, you know, after all that sentenced uh, to five years, I think. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And then after all that, after that, Sentence got turned over. After, still after that, he came back and became heavyweight champion of the world again. And I think that's why people respect him so much because yeah. he was able to throw away everything for standing up for something, and he was able to gain it all back uh, just based off of his conviction alone. Yeah, it's truly amazing. Like to to you know to defy the odds in the first place and beat Sonny Liston. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, no one thought that would happen. He was one of the biggest underdogs in fight history. Uh, yeah. Sonny Liston was like the Mike Tyson of the era, for those who don't know. And then there was more Sonny Listons when he came back uh, from his band. Uh, yeah. Three years out of the game, you know, sitting and not training. Uh, 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 and then all of these guys, like these killers, like Joe Frazier and George Foreman are waiting for him. And they look indestructible. And then... He comes out um, after nearly going to jail for standing up for people and then beats these unbeatable guys once again. Um, It's just, uh, it's staggering. I mean, um, what kind of relationship did he have with people like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X? From what I heard, um, they were very close. I remember hearing stories uh, when I was young that my grandfather was so so devastated hearing about the passing of Malcolm X Mm. Um, because he was so, he he was so close to these guys, even though, even though Martin Luther King wasn't Muslim, you know, Mm. he was still his brother in arms because they stood for something. And Mm. uh, yeah, I I just, I I know that time, that time period must've been super devastating for my grandfather, seeing his friends, his actual friends being assassinated for no reason for just sticking up for what they believe in. And that's what he was doing. It must've been scary and he continued to do it, you know? And, and most people would have been like, listen, these guys are getting killed, you know, for doing what I'm doing right now. I'm going to mm. stop. And he didn't stop. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, a lot of courage. When I think of my grandfather, I just think of courage. That's it. That's you've nailed it, mate. Honestly, true courage. And uh, you watch his story and you watch his fights, and you just think, how did this guy even exist? Like, how do it? It, it yeah. really does. It blows my mind. Some of the things he did in the way, and like you say, like Martin Luther King. I've seen one little clip of them together, and um, you know, obviously different religions, but both standing together and showing love for one another. It was a really heartwarming moment, actually. That. The fact that he didn't go quiet. I mean, look, if when those two guys get shot in the way that they did, 
99.9% of the people would have been like, I'm going to be a bit more I'm quieter fine. about yeah. this. Yeah. Exactly. There, there were some great fights. Um, the George Foreman one um, and the rivalry with Joe Frazier really feel like they stick out to me because those were the guys who just seemed unbeatable at the time. What, what is it like for you watching those fights back? Because they are you know, brutal. The skill, the will, everything that went into them, it it's hard to watch actually sometimes. And that's very rare I say that about boxing, but it's just brutal. Yeah. And I think it was so brutal because uh, my grandfather was my grandfather, but he was also, it felt like he was the world's friend. Everyone felt like they knew him. Mm. And uh, watching him get beat even, you know, in his later days was like devastating. It was hard to watch. Mm. Um, I didn't even watch. I, I don't even watch those fights. Mm. But I, you know, the Rumble in the Jungle uh, with George Foreman was my favorite fight of his because it just stood for a lot more than just the fight. Mm. And I would actually watch that with my grandfather a ton of times. What was it like to be there and do that with your grandfather? He, I mean, he would get, he would be doing whatever. He would be, you know, having a good time. If I put on that tape on my phone, he would be locked in and we would just be staring at my phone for the next 30 minutes watching the fight. And uh, I would ask him like certain things. I would say, Hey, what did you say to this guy here? Or what did you do this? Because he would talk while he, while he fought, but certain things he didn't remember. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was just so, so much fun uh, Mm. watching, watching, you know, the greatest fight of all time, in my opinion, uh, with who I believe to be the greatest fighter of all time. That's truly special, mate. Honestly, um, and and I've I've spoken to some people about you coming on, and and the the word the greatest. I mean, yes, he said the greatest, and it almost became a nickname as much. But it it was it was true, and because great great isn't just about your ability in the ring. Great isn't about beating every generation that come after you. To me, I think greatness is like it's about leaving that legacy and and fighting everyone in their prime going after anyone and everyone he really showed that he was never going to back down to anyone and like i feel like now we're in an era where fighters are very selective and clever and it's completely different i mean this guy was out here just anyone wants a pop at it let's go you know and that that People were terrified of George Foreman, you know, rightly so. I know someone who met him, and they were like, "You th- like this guy was huge, like just chiseled." People were terrified yeah. of this guy. I remember the, the the news reporter saying, "Old Ali got no chance." Yada yada yada, just defied the odds so many times. It really, it's like a superhero story. When your grandfather passed. What what was um, obviously a, tr- a very sad time for the family, but how how did the family deal with that? That was another time period where I was just like it. It was a total blur, um, but it was it was such a heartwarming experience. Um, just seeing how people reacted to him him passing mm. and seeing the streets flooded with people uh, in Louisville was just. I mean. Like it, it feels like a dream now because that whole time period was just so blurry to me. Uh, How old were you when that happened? It was just so hectic and sad. But you know, I was fifteen. I was fifteen. That makes sense. You know, obviously you're a young guy even now, but like at fifteen to lose someone who means so much to you guys, it, it your brain yeah. probably was protecting you from sort of the yeah, heartbreak. It just, 
you know, I don't remember small details, but you know, I'm, I'm glad because it was a very, it was a very sad time. And, mm. uh, what I do remember was great. It was, it was what I do remember. It was like a celebration seeing the people cheer him on in the streets the whole world stopped. It felt like, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor. And I know he would have been extremely happy to see uh, that he left that kind of impact on people. There's a few, uh, he had a few wives and he had uh, multiple children, obviously. So were you guys able to come together or was it quite uh, divided at the time or how did that work? My grandfather brought us all together. Um, you know, we were always, you know, Thanksgiving, we, Everyone would be at his house. Thanksgivings, we would go to his house. His mm. birthday, we would go to his house. And because we, because my immediate family lived so close, he lived in Arizona, mm. we would constantly be driving down there uh, to his house. But yeah, no, he made our family close. He made our family tight. And that's why our family is the way it is uh, now. He just, he brought us all together. It's it's tricky for for any family when it's a bit like that. But yeah. that was, that's lovely yeah. that you guys were able to have that closeness um, despite obviously um, people having different mothers or what, whatever the situation exactly, was, yeah. do you think he had many regrets? I, I don't know. Um, you know, he was like, it seemed like his only fault was women, and uh, he just—he's uh, human. Mean, he just loved. He, he loved is human women, after all. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he had to have—he had to have something. And, and if mm. he didn't have women, then I personally don't know what it would be. I'm sure he doesn't regret anything uh, because everything turned out the way it was supposed to be. And I'm very happy uh, that it turned out the way it did. Yeah. the, the I mean, the guy was an incredibly handsome six foot three charismatic dude. So, I mean, it must yeah. have been hard batting, uh, batting off the yeah. uh, advances, you know, like definitely, definitely before he became champion. But even after champion, you know, you had to get a security team to keep off uh, the beautiful women. Wow. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, be- yeah. I mean, obviously, the, he was a, a religious man, but like, you know, he, no no man is uh, perfect. Nobody's and, perfect. Nobody's yeah, perfect. Fair play. To him. I mean, uh, yeah. did you follow in the footsteps and, and obviously, um, you know, join Islam yourself? Yeah, no, I was born and raised uh, to be Muslim. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like I said, you know, the way my grandfather was, that's exactly how I am in terms of conviction with race and religion, you mm. know, because I'm I'm biracial myself, my mom being black and my dad being white. Um, I'm Muslim. My mom's Muslim. Uh, my my family's Muslim. So and, and we're practicing Muslims. So, mm. uh, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm proud that I was raised the way I am to stay uh, true to that. And are your mother and father still together? Yes. Uh, did you growing up um, biracial? Um, did that present any challenges to you coming from such a, a famous family, but obviously not necessarily looking exactly like your exactly. grandfather? Yeah, of course. You know, it it's it shows. Uh, you know, sometimes people say stuff. Uh, when I was little, people would say stuff, but at the end of the day, that doesn't. It, it would never really bother me because um, me and my grandfather were so close. If, mm. if we were like distant and we were not close at all, it would definitely bother me. But mm. um, my grandfather loved me. Um, I loved him. And, you know, we just had the greatest of times together. And, uh, you know, even my grandfather early on in his career, he said things along the lines of um, you shouldn't mix races. You should stick with your own races. And even later on in his life, he took back that statement. 
you know, before mm. I was even born, he took back that statement and he loved me and my brother. And uh, so I, I, I don't worry about uh, the stuff people say in terms of that. Yeah, there was a few interviews where he would say things and, and then you see him later on in your life and in his life and you're like, yeah, you softened and you evolved and, you know, at that time. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. It, it, when I listened to, was it Elijah Muhammad and then Malcolm X, it felt yeah. like to me at least, and this is someone who knows very little about Islam, but that one of them had a bit more of a progressive attitude towards, you know, like Elijah Muhammad seemed an old school kind of guy, for want of yeah, a better word. Yeah, very, very. And yeah, like everything evolves, and as I guess religion does too. And uh, it's nice that <clears throat> you, I mean, I suppose you can learn more about him even now to this day as you get older, because what I found after yeah. I've lost people in my life um I, i've i've lost a parent and what you find is as you get older you weirdly reconnect with them through experiences of becoming older yourself and you're like oh so when you're going into your fights in your mid-20s late 20s i'm sure you're going to be kind of having little conversations with him in your head almost of like oh well, yeah. this is what you were feeling when you were having this fight or yeah and you know what there's there's a quote that i was actually saying before my last fight the quote is, uh, a man is not dead while his name is still spoken. And since I've started fighting, everyone's been speaking about my grandfather. Obviously, mm. they've been speaking about me being his grandson. But that being said, my grandfather uh, is still alive. He's still very much alive and around as long as people are talking about him. And that's the way that's the way it feels. So I do feel like I'm reconnecting with him. And, you know, honestly, fighting might even be healthy for me in, in grieving honestly, mm. because it's just, uh, I, I feel close. I feel close to him. I feel closer to him, uh, now, uh, than ever. Honestly. I'm not surprised in the slightest mate, because I'm, after my first, uh, I do a little bit of boxing, you know, and after my first, uh, spa, I got my head punched in as, as you do. And, uh, I had a good cry afterwards because I was thinking about my mother and just like fighting is so, emotional at times um especially yeah. if you're losing yeah. <laughs> and um yeah i, I can Tell totally i can totally imagine uh that closeness um coming back because i mean you're just going to be able to empathize with so much of his story now when you go back and you know watch those first fights and almost feel like you know what it was like for him a little bit more than what you ever could have done had you not been a boxer it's it's very true it's very true what is uh, the Kronk gym like? Because we hear it's very, um, you know, it's all about knockouts. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you've, you've proved that. Sugar Hill seems to be a very smart guy. So what is it like training with him? It's amazing. You know, uh, it's it's amazing on a spiritual side of things because he's continuing the legacy of his uncle, Emmanuel Stewart, which mm -hmm. I believe is one of the greatest boxing trainers of all time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here I am uh, – in the shadow of my grandfather, who's one of the great, who is the greatest fighter of all time to me. And uh, he's able to talk to me about these things and he's able to teach me about boxing, which I'm, I'm a lot more understanding. I'm a lot more eager to listen to him when I know he knows what I'm going through in terms of continuing a legacy. So I just feel like we're able to connect very easily and I'm able to learn, learn from him very well. Uh, because because of that connection 
And and what kind of fighter do you think you're going to evolve into? I think I'm going to be aggressive. I think I'm definitely going to have my own unique style. Um, but definitely with Sugar in my corner, uh, he likes knockouts. And that's that's what we're looking to do, you know, at all times. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to evolving. I've only you know, I've only been with Sugar for a couple months. So, wow. you know, okay, the next fight is going to be very special, you know, because when I watched you, um, you know, not not being critical because it's your first couple of fights, yeah. but I was like, this guy ain't throwing the jab that much compared to what, like a lot of fighters, it's jab, jab, like, you know, then yeah. the, you were all in <laughs> and it was spectacular, yeah. but I was worried. I'm like, this kid might, uh, might be too aggressive. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, no, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning. There's so many mistakes that I've made, you know, little mistakes. I've only been with him for a couple months. I'm mm. just imagining now, what am I going to look like after being with him for a year? What about two years? And uh, you can see his work on display with Tyson Fury. Uh, oh, yeah. With the way he did his last two fights, you can see the way Sugar works. Sugar's transformed Tyson, in my opinion. We're seeing a whole uh, yeah. another side. He's so much scarier than he's ever been, in fact, now, now that he's, you know, he's putting his weight through his punches and, and leaning on people and just roughing them up. Um, That's all Sugar teaches. That's all Sugar teaches. Yeah, it's it's proper pro boxing as opposed to the amateur style, which is obviously a lot more yeah. uh, point fighting. So yeah. you were with other trainers before him, then um, were they yeah. the, the like uh, amateur trainers? Yeah, before I was with Sugar, I was with Abel Sanchez in Big Bear, who was Triple G's former trainer, wow. and uh, I was with him for a couple months. I, I learned a ton from him, and mm. then I went straight from him with uh, Sugar. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I, I feel like I'm able to learn very quickly from, from sugar. So, you know, there's no telling where I can go, you know, the more time I spend with him, the more I learn from him. And, uh, what, uh, how did you get connected with, the, uh, with, uh, sugar? Was this anointed? Uh, this, is this like, uh, this guy's the grandson of Muhammad Ali. We got to get hold of him type thing or. No, it, it was so weird. Um, my, my uncle, my uncle, who's now my manager, uh, knew Sugar's uncle. And uh, he knew Emmanuel Stewart. He actually was the one who took him to the hospital, unfortunately, when, um, when Emmanuel Stewart, um, you know, obviously he had cancer. Uh -huh. So they, uh, my, my uncle knew him very well. Mm. And uh, he just got in contact with Sugar. Like, I mean, the first time me and Sugar met, it wasn't like meeting a complete stranger because our family had known each other uh previously yeah there's that familiarity there i guess and it is so great that you guys are both continuing legacies on um which can only make you understand each other better as coach and fighter i guess because emmanuel stewart my god i mean what he did for lennox lewis for example um amazing yeah. um i don't know if lennox lewis gets the title back without him you know so exactly yeah yeah they, they're they're good at transforming people and you've got bob arum behind you as well um you yep. you really have got some big names behind you guy you <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like i'm i'm repeating history here my, i mean bob arum was my grandfather's promoter mm. you know so it's 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 crazy it's crazy but it's it's so cool you know the story behind all of this what what was it like meeting uh, Bob and and getting his support? Because I mean, for those who don't know, Bob is 
a very old guy, but he, I mean, he is he is a huge power in the world of boxing. Uh, obviously, uh, Bob Aram has known my family for so many years. He's traveled with my mom, you know, to events and whatnot. But my first time formally meeting him was right before I signed with Top Rank, mm. and it was it was with my uncle, and I met him. Uh, we discussed. We had like a little meeting. Uh, he had people vet me. Uh, you know, people go watch me in the gym and see me train and they're like, okay, you know, this kid isn't, this kid isn't just someone who's looking to make money or something like that. You Mm. know, this, this kid's got some skill. And then sugar was able to uh, give them extra confidence saying, yeah, you know what? I I can turn this kid into, into something, something good. So Bob Aram took that chance on me. You know, he uh, allowed me to sign with top rank and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm indebted to him. Where is it you think that you want to go with this? Like, how how far do you want to take this boxing game? Are you hopeful to be a world champion one day? Honestly, whatever, wherever sugar takes me, I'm 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 willing I'm willing to go. I'm here I'm here for the journey. I love boxing. That's what I'm passionate about, and I'm trying to I'm trying to box not just for myself, but something bigger for myself, bigger than myself. Mm. You know, and that gives me the courage to keep on going. So if if Sugar takes me one day to being that world champion, I'll I'll be very happy. Uh, do you think you you when you say bigger than yourself, do you mean going in a similar direction to your grandfather in terms of um, helping people using your profile? Yeah, that's all I'm about. That's that's how I was raised, and people are going to start um, seeing that because that's that's how I was raised. I know nothing. I know nothing else other than doing that. What kind of things do you think you might do, say, if you do make it to the top of the mountain? You know, I, I don't even need to make it to the top of the mountain. You know, even where I'm at right now, I, I have enough of a, a little platform to speak on what I'm uh, on what I believe in. Mm. And, you know, uh, obviously things that I'm very passionate about are race and, and my religion. And uh, being that I am biracial and, you know, half of my family is black, you know, there's still racism going on today. And mm-hmm. I was very vocal about that, um, you know, uh, on social media when that was going on here in America. Um, and, you know, I'm just anytime I see wrong wrongdoing, anytime I see something that I don't believe in, I'll, I'll say something. Well, that's very powerful and, and good on you, mate, because obviously, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, there's the the yeah. awful scenes of um, George Floyd's death uh, were were terrible. And um you know, I wonder what your grandfather would make of that now, you know, for him to know that after all the work he did, things like this are still occurring in his grandson's life. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, nobody will ever, racism will never not exist, unfortunately. Mm. But, you know, people like my grandfather put, make strides and make it better. People like Martin Luther King make it better. Mm. And, you know, during that time, that was a horrible time in, you know, American history mm. and and COVID was going on. But I was I was out here in Vegas protesting when when that stuff was going on mm. um, during the during the pandemic, you know, during mm. the height of COVID. And it's unfortunate that I even had to do that. But, you know, that's that's what it is. And I feel like that's what my grandfather would be doing if he was if he was around. Yeah, when you when you were protesting, what was it like being amongst the people and um and and making a stand like that for something you believe in so passionately? 
it's very it's it's powerful because you know it's something that I very uh, I, I care about extremely. I'm mm. very passionate about uh, a race in in religion um, more so than boxing. You know that stuff is very very important and serious to me. Mm. Um, but unlike how some of the media were was portraying the protesting, it was all peaceful. Everyone there, and, and it was great to see. There were Asian Americans there. There were Mexicans there. There were white people, black people. It wasn't just black people protesting against George mm-hmm. Floyd. It was a, a whole, you know, it was everybody. It was a spectrum of different people. And uh, that was great to see. And it just shows that, you know, it is possible to make, you know, these strides even even today. You know, what, 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 what's life like for you every, every you know, week now? What, what, what's, what's it like day to day? Honestly, if I had a camera on me at all times, it would be very, very boring. As yeah. a 21 year old, I've I've never drank or smoked in my life. I've never done drugs, um, so I live a very um, healthy lifestyle and and very boring. You know, after the gym, um, I I'm in college, so I get my schoolwork done, and uh, that's all. I, you know, I go from home to gym, home to gym, and, and that's about it. Well, you know, obviously, you mentioned your grandfather had a certain release. Um, do you have anything that you sort of, I don't know, video games? What, what What's your thing? Yeah, no, definitely. I love playing video games. I unfortunately haven't had any time lately to play them, but mm. I love playing video games. But my vice, my my uh, escape would definitely be sweets. And that's what my <laughs> grandfather's was towards, towards um, you know, when I knew him. Yeah, It was sweets. I heard it. Those are hard to stay away from. Very hard to stay away from. But yeah, everyone's I mean, got to have something. But like, it's really great that you're you're living that dedicated life because, unfortunately, that's the downfall of a lot of boxers when they don't live the life, as they say. What do you think uh, of MMA? I'm, I'm just wondering. Like, do you watch MMA a lot, or are you mainly just boxing? I'm mainly boxing, but definitely, if there's a big fight going on, I have a ton of friends that are in the ufc and friends that are mma fighters so i i really loved khabib um oh i can imagine you know, K- and then, khabib's yeah. uh, hero is your grandfather i don't know if you've seen him say yeah. that yeah yeah no, I, i've seen him i've seen him say that and that was one of the reasons like I'm, I'm biased if someone says something nice about my grandfather i automatically like them i don't yeah. have to see anything else but um yeah no he was uh truly amazing um, i think he but, said on the know, mike tyson fight i'll watch he was on the Mike Tyson podcast, and he said something about if he could meet any fighter ever, it would have been uh, Ali, which I thought was really yeah, nice. Yeah, he, of him he to never that. met him. He never met him. Yeah. yeah, I wish I wish I would have known he was such a big fan. You know, I he I would have had him meet him uh, yeah. while while my grandfather was still here. Yeah. Uh, well, um, this is just the start of your journey, um, but I'm I'm very excited to see how it goes. You've got a fight coming up this uh, December. December 11th, yes. Uh, what What is the opponent like? Has he been announced yet? He has not been announced yet. Um, I've heard little things about who it may be. Um, but at the end of the day, Sugar doesn't even like thinking about opponents. He he says, if, if you train the way that you're supposed to train, it doesn't matter who they put in front of you. And that's kind of the way that I've, I've started to believe. So it doesn't matter right now who the opponent is to me, at least. I, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of good things. You you caught your trainer, which shows you believe in him. And uh, yep. no, I mean, we've seen lately, obviously with Anthony Joshua, um, if you don't believe in your coach, it can be 
a nightmare uh, when you definitely, get in that ring. Definitely. Um, and you're living the life. Um, I, I, I see no reason why you haven't got the talent to go all the way, mate. Like, when, when I watched your Thank first you. couple of fights, I was like, this is a real fighter here. You've got, you've got it all. And that, the main thing was that you just delivered straight up, bang, like first round went after yeah. him. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe you know, maybe the approach might be too aggressive. Whatever, whatever it may be, Sugar works on it in the gym. And uh, mm. you know, this is only my third fight coming up in December, and it's at Madison Square Garden, which is you know a dream. Uh, but I'm really excited for this one because I really feel like I'm gonna look spectacular this one because it's just more time to learn with Sugar. It's more time to you know correct the mistakes I felt I've made my first two fights. Uh, from memory, you rocked the the white shorts uh, with the stripe. Is that yeah. going to be a, a continuation? Are you going to rock that for the rest of your career, possibly? You know, I love those shorts. I'm gonna definitely add a little bit of a tweak to them, uh, mm. just to make it a little bit more myself. Yeah. But you know, um, I said I said I I retired my grandfather's shorts because I wore his shorts for my first fight. I think that's not entirely. I think I'll wear those again for my last fight, uh, whenever that may be. That's cool. Uh, but it's no time soon, so those are definitely locked up for now. All right, I, I usually uh, end these interviews with with, with a question, and I'm, I'm interested to see how you answer it because I'd like to ask the same question to you in a few years after you you know you've hopefully conquered uh, uh, a good few fights. How would you like to be remembered? Honestly, um, I would like to be remembered by standing for something, uh, not just being a boxer. That would be a, a serious loss in my book if I was if if I'm just remembered as being Nico the boxer. Mm. Um, so I want to be able to be remembered for something more than boxing, something bigger than boxing. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Nico. I'm, I, I think that you've got your head screwed on, as we say in the UK. And um, yeah, you, uh, for a 21-year-old guy, you speak very well. You seem to have it all in front of you. You've got the right people around you. You know, I wish you the best of luck. I'm going to be supporting you for the rest of your career. And I'm sure you'll make your family proud, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Nah, it's a, it's a pleasure. And um, if everyone uh, wants to follow the journey, I'll put the links for your socials in the description below. And uh, hopefully, um, if you're ever in the UK, you're more than welcome to come and uh, we can watch some fights together. Absolutely. You know, the UK was a serious fan base for my grandfather. Oh, yes. And they're already, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but they're already discussing me um, going to the UK next year. Um, So that is going to be really exciting. That would be ridiculous. One of your grandfather's uh, most famous sort of uh, press conferences that he did was in the north of England, where I'm from, and uh, we, like they couldn't believe that Muhammad Ali was there. Like they they could not, but and even now, yes. that people are like Muhammad Ali came here, you know, and that was what he was the champion of the world for because he actually went all over the world and fought all over the world, and I think that's been sacrificed uh, for more money, unfortunately, by fighters nowadays. But maybe yeah, that's something you could continue as well. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, you, t- you take sure. care, brother. And uh, I wish you absolutely the best of luck. And I look forward to seeing you fight on December the 11th. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. You take care, man. Thanks. Well, that was the 21-year-old grandson 
of Muhammad Ali, Nico Ali Walsh, a really nice kid. Um, obviously, nowhere near the journey yet of a lot of the people I interview, but I just, I'm a huge fan of Muhammad Ali and I really wanted to uh, talk to him about his grandfather, talk about his career. I really enjoyed it. The, the, the lad seems like he's got the right attitude for the fight game and uh, it's going to be exciting to see what he does next. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Something a little different. Uh, if you did enjoy it, hit that like button, stay subscribed to the True Jordy YouTube channel and I'll see you on the next Pain Game podcast.